Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Here we go. Hello and welcome along to episode 127 of We Are Going Up. I'm Mark Crossley and straight away, let's kill this music because I think this is actually what we require. DC's doing the dance to this. You well, mate? Very well, yeah. Good. Karl McQueen's back. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Here we go then. It all comes down to this. The Great Escape. There we go. He's doing the trombone thing. Um, so we're going to the last weekend of the season with 12 football league clubs dreaming of the great escape. It's far too jolly for, this, for the situations that some of the teams <laughs> is, is find really? themselves in, isn't it? Let's get rid of it. Uh, Saturday, the 3rd of May, I think they're Survival Saturday, as we're contractually allowed, you know, uh, required to describe it as, uh, this Saturday. Um, so I thought we'd maybe come up with some phrases and things to look out for. Last day of the season. I'm going to start us off with being in the ground in a fake score doing the rounds everyone going up saying there's been a goal somewhere yeah. and then everyone checking saying there's definitely not been a goal somewhere so some world class time wasting I was thinking of uh, do you remember Huddersfield and Barnsley on the last day of last season yes. anything else you can think of <laughs> but it's a shame Stephen they've already gone down I suppose the old, if there's a, if there's a <laughs> Jimmy go- Glass yeah if there's a goal yep. in injury time then the pitch invasion will yeah. be- will begin, but you know, getting the players, getting the, the fans off the pitch, yeah. so they're all lined up behind the, sh- the stewards to, to actually do the proper pitch invasion. If and when the result is confirmed, yeah. is always a, that, that's another a way of time wasting. The last day, yeah. References to Marcelo Trotter will be de- definitely doing yeah, the rounds. doing a Doncaster or yeah. doing a Watford. Yeah. Any penalties given in the last five <laughs> yeah. minutes? Get ready to get back down the other end, lads. Right. So we're all to look forward to uh, this weekend. If you've got any more last day uh, cliches, I suppose at Wagyu Podcast. Get in touch Tran- on Twitter. Transist- the radios are they still a thing yeah I, I was going to think are they still on transistor radios well the signal in the grounds on Twitter is sometimes so bad yeah probably yeah. the best way to go sometimes um, right so we've got a hell of a show for you today then we're going to be looking at the PFA teams of the year later we'll be analysing the battle uh, for those uh, final two championship playoff places and paying tribute to super Kevin Phillips as he finally announces his retirement age 40 plus another soon to be award winning edition we hope of my club uh, also we'll doff our caps to Paul Cook Keyfail and Paul um, Paul Wilcox Russ Wilcox is a uh, chest Field, Rochdale and Scunthorpe are all promoted to League One plus his reaction uh, to the relegations of Yeovil, Barnsley, Shrewsbury and Torquay all of which were confirmed over the weekend uh, but it is relegation the great escape that will dominate the bulk of the show in League Two Wickham are facing Football League um, oblivion after losing 2-1 at home to Bristol Rovers uh, both Rovers and Northampton now only need a draw to survive on Saturday whilst Wickham must win at Torquay and hope results go their way Stephen Collins season ticket holder uh, for over 20 years at Bristol Rovers will be joining us later uh, to talk about their situation. What a win for them at the weekend at Adams Park. In League One, two of Carlisle, Tranmere, Crew, and Notts County are going to go down. Sean Derry has masterminded a quite remarkable run. Six wins in eight for Notts, including that victory over Carl Swindon at the weekend. They now only need a point at Oldham to survive on Saturday. Stuart Brothers, editor of Notts County's Black and White fanzine, will be coming on to talk to us later. But we are going to start in the Championship, where, at the time of recording, five sets of fans are still sweating profusely on their futures uh, Blackpool Charlton Millwall Doncaster and at the time of recording Birmingham City are not yet safe and this is where it gets complicated two big games on Tuesday night this week Charlton against Watford and Birmingham against Wigan apologies if you're listening to this after Tuesday night but do so safe in the knowledge of what we've predicted here is about to be completely wrong basically a win for Charlton at home to Watford on Tuesday means they stay up anything else it goes to the last day for them a win for Birmingham against Wigan and they will 
probably stay up too. Um, but they haven't won in 17 games at St Andrews. The latest, that 3-1 defeat to Leeds on Saturday. And of course, all the off-the-field stuff as well with Carson Young found guilty recently of money laundering. Uh, let's speak to a man who was out in Hong Kong for that trial and he writes the very popular Birmingham City blog, often partisan. It is Mr Daniel Ivory. And we're pleased to say that Daniel is on the line right now. Dan, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, you wrote on the blog after the game at the weekend that you believe you're going to go down now. If you do, will it be the lowest moment you've experienced as a Blues fan? Uh, I don't think we precisely the lowest moment. We've been down to the third tier a couple of times before, back at the end of the 80s and the early 90s. I was only a kid then, so I didn't really feel it as much. But um, it's, a, it's kind of different now because back then football was, was dying in some ways. You know, you had crowds of 6,000 at St Andrews. There was, uh, the, the fences weren't quite down after Hillsborough. It was a horrible, horrible time to be a football fan, I think. And it wasn't as bad to be in the in the third tier because, you know, the, the first and second tiers weren't that great shakes. These days, we're missing out. We're going to miss out on a lot if we fall if we fall down to the third tier. You know, we're going to lose more money from TV rights and that. And, it, and it's a massive fall from grace. Bearing in mind, we won the League Cup three years ago. Dan, you've fallen into the relegation zone for the first time this season, uh, possibly the worst time to do it. Um, mm. I mean, the, the big question really when looking at your, your position has to be about the home form. Just just two wins at home all season, which is the worst record in the entire football league. Uh, yeah. Nine defeats in the last 11 at home, you know, the last win coming way back in October. What on earth has been going on at St Andrews? Uh, I wish I knew. Um, it's the worst, our worst ever home season, regardless of the result uh, on Tuesday. It's um, the worst ever home league sequence in the second tier. I think it might be in the league as well, but I'm not sure. It's it's just been bad. I mean, it's got to the point where there were jokes that Lee Clark was uh, using um, the, the spare um, lottery machine and a spare set of balls to pick the team, but it's becoming <laughs> it's become increasingly erratic. He really has. And, you know, you just don't know before the game what, what you're going to get. You know, it, it comes to the point where um, every week, you know, there's going to be a bonus ball selection of some player who's been forgotten or who's been out of the picture for so long who's just been thrown in to try and break the hoodoo. You know, they've tried training at St. Andrews. They've tried, like, catching a the coach there. Yeah, like, yeah. staying in the that. hotel the night before. The fact is, our players aren't very good. Our manager isn't very good. And sometimes, sometimes it's been a case of, you know, we've been beaten by better teams. Sometimes it's been a case of, We've had moments of madness and then there's been some, um, the Blackburn game in particular, when he picked five players out of position, you just, well, well you're hamstrung from the start. What do you do? And ha- um, sorry, have the fans been, sort of, as this run has got worse and worse at home, what have the fans been like? I mean, has it affected them? Have they tried to get behind the team or have they been kind of as nervous and that's translated uh, to the players? I, I think the problem is, Things are very apathetic down St Andrews at the moment. The fans do try and get behind the team, particularly away from home, and I think that's why we played better away from home. But, you know, the, the longer the run's gone on, the longer it's been since we've seen a win at home, all the stuff going on off the field, you know, the, we all know that the club's slowly going down the toilet financially. We know it needs to be sold. We, it doesn't seem to be happening anytime fast. And I think all that mm. kind of... Um, it, 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 people have just given up caring on the terraces. People have... Are drifted away. The crowds have dropped, and it and it's mirrored what's happened on the pitch. Um, so, you know, the crowd have got a big part to play. But I don't, you know, as much as I think that the, the crowd have got to get behind the uh, team, I can't blame anyone for not getting, you know, for not for not wanting to. Because right now it's just St Andrews is it's just like it's under a toxic cloud. It's horrible. Lee Clark's talks about it being one of his most lowest moments. Are you surprised he's actually still there, or would have sacking him kind of? worsen things if it's possible to indeed worsen things as they stand at St Andrews at the moment what it comes down to is the club can't afford to sack him right. uh, Lee, Lee Clark is one of the safest jobs in football because the club <laughs> cannot afford to sack him at the start of the season it was it was kind of it wasn't it wasn't public knowledge but it was that we were paying at the most five grand a week to new players uh, wage bill is the second lowest in the uh, division they, I mean it's this year if you take out Nicholas each and his 65 grand a week wages um you know, we cannot afford any. We can't afford to bring in new players. We can't afford to change our manager. I think if we had new owners, then yeah, Clark would be gone. But we wouldn't have had Clark for this long in the first place. So it, it, it's it's symptomatic. The whole thing is symptomatic of the, of the malaise we're in. Dan, I just want to ask you about the uh, the recent comments from from Captain Paul Robinson, who has 
quite surprisingly sort of broken ranks with from within the dressing room and, and criticised the second batch of loan players that have arrived at Birmingham in January. There was there was a number of loan players in the, uh, the first half of the season. You know, players like Dan Byrne, Carl Bartley, Jesse Lingard, some of which had a, a decent impact for you. But the second lot, uh, Albert mm-hmm. Rosnag, Emma Hughes, Federico Makeda, who's, well, he's actually scored goals, but the rest of them probably uh, leave a lot to be desired. I, I, Jordan Hyde, Tom Thorpe and Tyler Blackett. He's really criticised them and said basically that they're, you know, they're not giving 100%. I mean, is that a fair reflection of their contribution? I think you have to take those remarks into context for what he said. I understand, um, again, it's not public domain, but there are whisperings, there is this stuff that's gone on off the field, on the training pitch, that maybe they aren't giving 100%. I don't know. I, I, I don't watch them training, so I can't comment on that. What I would say is is that, as a same boy, it was completely ill-advised, especially, bearing in mind, that Paul Robinson was serving the second match of a three-match ban uh, yeah. against uh, Leeds his third ban of the season to pick up 15 <laughs> he's yellow cards made a career with that I was about to which say. I believe is a championship high for the season <laughs> breaking records all over the place well yeah yeah. I mean this is it you know like, I, I, I can understand where he's coming from in that you know he's saying that there's been rumours of people not coming into training on time and stuff like that but I, I've actually got to the point now I don't care if a player comes into training wearing a pink tutu proclaiming that they're the fairy queen of Wonderland if they're going to score a, a goal on, on Saturday you know it, I don't think the training pitch matters anymore I honestly don't Peter Lovingprant has apparently been ripping it off in training but he, he cannot do it on the pitch so w- what difference does it make you know if he's scoring like Lionel Messi on uh, West Hills <laughs> Well, you know, if, if, if he looks like, you know, Lionel Blair at St Andrews. <laughs> um, a word of uh, optimism, perhaps. Doncaster, one point above you, um, and a much worse goal difference, go to Leicester on the last day of the yeah. season. Now, that might mean that you only need one point from your last two games to stay up. Is that achievable? Wigan at home and Blackburn away. Oh, sorry, Bolton away. As, as an adage of that, Wigan have never actually won at Birmingham. I've yeah, it's true. Well. Wigan have never beaten us in eight attempts at Birmingham. Um, it's yeah. the first time. And then Bolton, yeah, Bolton away the last day. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, the pessimistic side of me says we're not going to get another point this season. Honestly. It's one point enough. Doncaster are probably the only team in, in the division with a worse form record than ours at the moment. Leicester are flying. Leicester after 100 points. Obviously, Doncaster probably turning them over just to annoy us. <laughs> I think I think what it does, it comes down to the Wigan game. If we win against Wigan and Charlton lose, we're actually mathematically safe, bizarrely enough, because Charlton and Blackpool will play each other on, on a Saturday and both of them won't be able to... Able to <laughs> so ironically, them. by the time some people might be listening to this, you might actually yeah, be we, safe we, we, when we all this is irrelevant. Safe, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's how bizarre this division has been. However, um, despite the fact that Wigan have not beaten us ever at St Andrews, there's always a first time. No one had ever gone 17 home games without winning in the championship but we managed it this year so you know I'm sure we can make it 18 if we really try hard enough and then Bolton last game of the season we haven't won at, we haven't won away there since 2003 we nicked it 1-0 Mikhail Forsell scored I was I remember being there I remember nearly getting beaten up on the uh, uh, in the minibus back to a social club in Bolton on the way back because uh, one of the, one of the lads couldn't keep their mouth shut and uh, <laughs> kept um, asking the Bolton fans if they thought the better team would won it it was rather humorous um, but yeah, it's. I don't know. I, I think it, what it, it really does come down to um, Tuesday night. If, if we can get three points, then that's it. It's in our hands. If we get one, it's still technically in our hands. You know, as long as we beat, we better any of the teams around us. Result-wise, we're okay. What, what I'm worried about is that I think we won't win. I think we'll lose, and I think we'll go into the last game of the season needing all the teams around us to do something, and they won't. Um, we're going to sell out. It's going to be like three and a half thousand Blues fans there, most of them in fancy dress, and I think they're just going to celebrate being relegated and going, oh, well, we don't care. <laughs> Dan, I know you said that Lee Clark's got the safest job in the Football League, and that may well be the case, but I can't, just, just a question on Lee Clark. I, I can't help but, but think that sometimes perhaps sort of the, the thing to, to maybe most admire about him is also maybe his biggest weakness. In, he obviously cares so much, and he's a very passionate and emotional guy. But when you're losing games, it seems to affect him so badly that surely that's got to be a negative thing for the squad. You want uh, someone in times of when the times are hard to you know 
be tough and be resolute and inspire you to carry on and, and get some performances. Where he looks like you know he's a, on it, you know needs to be on suicide watch at the end of every defeat. Yeah, the, the, the passion, P-A-S-H-U-N, yeah. Um, that, that gets referred to a lot by Birmingham City fans on message boards and social media. And he does care. He's got a fantastic work ethic. Um, I've never seen a manager go to as many reserve games, as many academy games, who cares so much about the infrastructure, about looking at younger players and all that sort of thing. And to be fair to him, he really, really, really does care. But like you say, he's so erratic. And he really, you know... He, you see him twitching, you see him uh, kind of like looking all over, not the interviewer after a game, and you can tell he's hurting. And like, there's been quite a few games where he's not spoken to the press afterwards, you know, because I think because he can't control himself. You know, so he's a, just a just a rough uh, boy from the rough east end of Newcastle, to use his words. It's just the way he is. Dan, before we let you go, um, you were out in Hong Kong during the uh, the trial of Carson Young, and uh, you've written a book on it, which uh, is going to be released next month. Tell us a bit more. Yeah, um, I, I, I've been out to Hong Kong four times, as it happens. Uh, I followed the trial. Um, I've got some, I've got some fairly extensive contacts out there. Uh, I met with people involved in the judiciary system, people involved in his defence team, people who knew him from uh, Bones, Nasser Holdings, and from his personal life. And the book's about him, about what he did, how he became Bones City's uh, owner, you know, all the all the stuff that we didn't really know, and basically where it all went wrong and what lessons we can learn from that, because I think that's the biggest thing we need to understand is, is why it went wrong. So it's called Haircuts and League Cups, and uh, yeah. it's out at the end of May, yeah? Yeah. Great stuff. Daniel, thanks very much for coming on. Uh, try and enjoy this last few days if you can, mate. I will do. I will okay. do. Don't worry. <laughs> Take care, buddy. That's Daniel okay. Ivory from the uh, Often Partisan Birmingham City blog, uh, which you can read at oftenpartisan.co.uk. And I just mentioned it to Daniel there, DC. Should Birmingham manage to get one solitary point, might their salvation come in the form of uh, that game Donny away at Leicester and uh, with their goal difference as well? Ouch. Yeah, well, you know, normally you'd look at that and think, well, Doncaster, you know, fighting in the thick of a relegation battle, Leicester long since having confirmed their promotion, but Leicester haven't let up, have they? Apart from that initial defeat to Brighton, they've looked good in every game since, and they also want to get over the, they've won 99 points at the moment, so they'll certainly want to finish the season in treble figures points-wise, which is a, certainly a, a magnificent achievement if they do do it. So that's not a good fixture for Doncaster to have. I mean, Birmingham, what a, what a, unbelievable situation they find themselves in we've we've talked about them and you know Wigan after looking like they've had fifth place sort of sealed up for quite some time they've just had a little bad run at right at the, the worst moment I mean I can't believe when I saw the scores coming in from the DW on Saturday oh, what a result Blackpool for Blackpool been so bad haven't they and then to win 2-0 I mean what and, and the, the moment that they'll look back on surely it is that penalty what save. a save as I well mean, it was that was a magnificent save. That wasn't a bad penalty. He no, hit, he hit Matt it. Jilks, some, brilliant you know, save. Decent pace on it. It was in the corner, and and Jilks not. He's not just got a hand to it. He has absolutely batted that away, and it's gone out for miles. It was a superb save, and that looked like it gave him the springboard to go on. And great header from Keo, wasn't there for absolutely. the first goal, and then uh, Dobby as well, making it two 0 The first time that Blackpool have scored more than um, one goal in a game for six months. Well, it's not <laughs> a bad time to start doing it. Is it? And Dobby is it a player that ha- has often sort of featured in the playoffs sort of over the last few years, isn't he? For, for Swansea, for Blackpool, for, for Palace, Brighton. He's been all those teams. Um, but he is a player that's got great technique and that was a difficult chance there. And if you were going into the football cliches handbook of <laughs> how to describe it, that was very much a, a guided volley into the net, wasn't it? A lot of players would swing at that and try and blast it in, but he just... Side-footed it on the half volley, and it was a you know a really good take, and that was the, the winning goal. And perhaps on the opposite end of the scale, the uh, it was kind of a fluke, wasn't it? The Millwall equaliser at QPR kind of miss hit, yeah. looped up in the top corner. But Carl, that is a, a vital point for Millwall. They've got Bournemouth at home in their final game. Looking at that table, do you think they're going to have enough to survive? How do you, I mean? How do you predict this? We've we've learned that we just can't predict anything, really, can we? I think it's Doncaster who will take that third place. I really do. I think. As David's already mentioned, Leicester will probably sell out the King Power and well, they're getting a, the trophy have a, afterwards, aren't have they, a party so? and yeah. they will score quite a few goals. You'd like to think Nigel Pearson, Paul, Paul Dickoff back at his old club, jeeing them up. Birmingham, surely they'll get something out of one of those two games, and obviously they've got a much better goal difference, which will 
which will help them. For me, it'll be Doncaster. Charlton need a win at home as well. Ideally against your lot on Tuesday night. Four, yeah. four defeats in the last six at home. And then, if not, they go to Blackpool on the final day. That could still be... Uh, there could still be a twist there we're, as well. We're such a strange team, really, this season. You'd think that they should and would beat us on Tuesday night, given the magnitude of the game for them and the fact that we can't now, you know, mathematically, we, we can't get in the playoffs. We're, we're now bottom half. But... You know, such is the the strangers of our, of our season. We may well, you know, beat it by a few goals. You wouldn't rule it out at this stage, at this stage at all. Right. Well, uh, twelve fifteen on Saturdays when it all plays out, the uh, last day of the championship season. Now, though, we're going to turn our attention to League One, where the Magpies are flying. So Stevenage and Shrewsbury have gone with two more teams to follow them through the trapdoor to League Two this week. But who will they be? Carlisle United have got two games remaining, two tough games remaining. Crawley away on Tuesday night and Wolves at home on Saturday. They need a minimum of four points to have any chance of staying up. Tranmere need at least a draw at home to Bradford or they're relegated whilst Crewe have got a tough final game against Preston, but they could stay up if they lose. Clear as mud? Thought so. So one team who um, have got destiny in their own hands and know exactly what they've got to do and Notts County after this incredible run of six wins in their last eight games Notts need only a point at Boundary Park against Oldham on Saturday to complete the great escape what a turnaround under the guidance of Sean Derry they won 2-0 against playoff chasing Swindon on Saturday prompting those jubilant scenes at Meadow Lane and one man who was there as ever was Stuart Brothers editor of Notts County's black and white fanzine and we're pleased to say that Stuart joins us on the show right now Stu thank you very much for coming on are you starting to count your chickens yet or are you, uh, you still feeling a little bit nervous ahead of the weekend no the way the season's gone still very nervous um, the odds are certainly stacked in our favour um, but the way the season's gone I can't quite believe we're in this position I mean it's been a really difficult time for um, for Sean Derry you know to, to take on his first job in management you know still registered as a player even though he couldn't have played for you because of the amount of clubs he's already played for this season and it seems that it's been up and down. You've gone on this, you know, this giving yourselves a great chance of getting out of it on the last day with some really important victories lately. But there has been times, and we've talked about you over the last three or four months, where at times you've looked dead and buried, then you've had a little fight back, then you've lost a couple again. So it's been really up and down. And how's he done, do you think? And how's he coped with, with the difficulties of the job? Um, I think um, it's taken a while, admittedly, but it appears that now he's found his feet. He's um, shipped out the dead wood, the wasters that we had on the books. And... Um, he appears to to able to call on a group of players now who are prepared to run through walls for him. Like I say, it, it took a while. I mean, we had a little um, turnaround in form at the start of the year, and then it just seemed to get worse. I mean, some games were worse than um, under those that we had with Kwamya. But um, I think it was about eight games ago now we played Tranmere away. We had to win that game, and we lost. And at the final whistle, players dropped to their knees and... We knew as well as as they did that we were dead and buried. We were bottom seven points adrift at the time. So to find us in this position, going into the final game with only one point needed, I mean... Dreamland. It's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, Derry has worked miracles because, I mean, we, we I think as a, as a whole, we hold the players very much responsible for the state that we were in. But they have really turned it on these last these last two months to sort of give, give us a chance that we've got on Saturday. It's quite incredible. And who have been the key players in this turnaround then? So many. Um, Sean Berry has made a colossus out of Jamal Campbell-Rice. Such an indifferent player for us under under several managers, but the form he has been in, teams, they've just got no answer for him. On the other side of the pitch, we've got, we've had on loan this season, Jack Grealish from Aston Villa. He, he started off, you know, you could see he was a good player, there was a good player there. But the speed at which he has matured over the, over the last, I mean, even two or three months, I mean, he he's been outstanding, and I'm gonna we're gonna be watching his career with great pride because he's going to be a star. Um, Ronan Murray spent a few months in our development squad, and he's been vital with his goals. And um, big big mention for Jimmy Spencer, about as uninspiring a signing as you can imagine <laughs> on um, on the loan deadline day. It, it didn't get anyone sort of excited, but. This guy is just incredible. I mean, I've never seen a play in the lower leagues that the ball sticks to. The way it does with Jimmy, he just plucks balls out of the air. He just makes football look so easy. And um, if, I, if I can mention two more, I mean, Hayden Hollis, 
raised a few eyebrows in the um, last summer when we offered him a three-year contract. He hadn't looked the best, but he's chipped in with his goals and just a no-nonsense defender. It's, it's probably what we've needed all season long. It's just took so long to find him. And um, I think finally Hayden, Hayden Mullins, I mean, we've just lost him to, to Birmingham today. He's gone back there. Um, so that, that's a bit of a blow going into Saturday. But um, again, um, we, we signed as a midfielder, but he's done a great job at centre-back. And um, no, can I mention one more? <laughs> Name the whole squad if you want, <laughs> mate. It is the whole squad. It sounds that way, yeah. But um, another one is Alan Sheehan. You know, he's been around the blocks. He, he's he's been a good player for Notts, but this season he has been outstanding. Um, he's really served as well. Even um, covering at centre-back, it appeared to me that was his best position. And um, he was on the verge of leaving last summer. And very few people would have, would have minded if he went, but... He's out of contract this summer and we're all desperate for him to stay and we all want him to represent, to be the captain next season, basically. And he was the, uh, he's the only Notts County player that was uh, given an honourable mention in the um, the recent 4-4-2 best uh, top 50 players um, in the Football League. He, he got your, got your slot, you mentioned in that. But the, you've named all those players and I was just waiting for you there, Stuart, to name one in particular and you didn't mention him. Uh, and that's I'm Callum, Callum this, McGregor, who is a top scorer. Yes, he's not alone from Celtic. Massive, massive fan of Callum. Um, for the for the sort of miserable first few months of the season, he looked to be sort of the star man. Um, it was his goals that were keep, keeping us keeping us in the fight. Really, his loan expired um, with us. It was him and Grealish, they, their six month loans expired. Grealish was thrown up quite quickly, but there was a hold up at Celtic's end with McGregor. Basically, then our run of form, we, we sort of we started really getting going. Um, whilst whilst his loan had ended, he still stuck around the club. He still went training. He'd be around the ground. He was fiercely loyal to us, which you don't see much these days. And I can't credit the guy enough for that. Just unfortunately, we hit form, brought him back into the team, and the system that we'd found without him, we, we lost that. We lost that shape and trying to accommodate him. We lost our way a bit. And um, he's sort of been... Um, a bit part player towards this, um, well, since um, falling out of the side. And we're all so happy for him when he got that second goal on Saturday. Stuart, I can't help but feel, we've always pontificating about how great your team is. You do still <laughs> sit 19th in the table. You've got an excellent home record. You're on five in a row. But there must be a source, extreme source of frustration about perhaps what might have been this season then. Where has it actually gone wrong? It's quite um, quite simple in that we should never have appointed Chris Kawamia mm. at the um, tail end of last season. He came in and I think his record was a defeat, two draws and a win. And it just felt at the time that the moment he got a win under his name that he was going to be given the job. And we beat Berry 4-1 on a Friday night. And I think the announcement... I remember was it well. Then. I was live on telly as well. It was, yeah. And um, it, Bad it was 4-1. It wasn't that outstanding at a game we're very very lucky and but I'm not going to turn my nose up at 4-1 but um, yeah and he got the job a couple of days later and it was like okay you know we'll see how it goes fast forward into the summer we signed Danny Haynes which a lot of people were delighted with there was as, the, as this season started to drag along there was a clear respect issue the um, well, there was a game in the Johnson's paint we um, we sat quite close down to pitch level, and um, Kawamia was barking instructions at Joss Labadee. So Joss, 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 and Labadee turns around, and the look he gets—it's not, not something I'll ever forget. He turned around with this complete look of disdain, and that there, there was no really com- coming back. You, you saw a sense that you know he's, he's not going to win these players over. We lost five-one to Leighton Orient, and um, a couple of days later, Dean Leacock was on local radio, and he says, "Oh." No, we, we all had a meeting. We all had a meeting. We decided we've got to start playing. And I was like, all right, okay, cheers, Dino. <laughs> Good. Um, thanks for that, mate. And, well, it, um, it's so happened it, at last. Yeah. And, um, well, they had this meeting behind Kawamia's back as well. And, um, I mean, he wasn't management material, but he was certainly let down massively by his players. And, um, yeah, I think basically a lot of the players have sort of... Um, it took a while for them to come around to Derry and Abbott. I mean, we got there eventually. And I say, he's, he's got rid of the dead wood, the players that didn't want to be around and players that have done nothing for us all season, mostly. So, um, yeah, if, um, I'm sure if we started the season with Derry, 
yeah, we'd be in a much much sort of rosier position than we are now. But you're not, and as Carl said, you go into the last game with still a, a chance that you could be relegated. Um, just looking at some of the stats that might allude to why you are where you are, you had the busiest defence in the entire league. You yep. face on average 14 uh, shots a game. And you've also had the second lowest share of, of possible points from, from losing positions. So you don't do very well when you concede sort of the first goal or, or when you go behind. So, you know, it's going to be crucial that you get out there and really get at them on Saturday and, you know, take on a team who haven't got anything to play for and try and go at them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the, the um, quite scary statistic is that there's still no one in the Football League that's lost more games than us this season. To be even contemplating staying in League One this year, it's it's, it's just one of these things I can't get my head around. Um, <laughs> we well, say that um, about falling behind. We have done. I see that's another thing that has started to turn around lately. Um, Bristol City, I think it was last week. I mean, it's the best I've seen us play in years. I mean, I know we lost the game, but we we played absolutely brilliantly. We came back in that game, and it was only a complete cock up in defence that sort of cost us the game. And then a week later to Port Vale, 2-0 down. I mean, just barely a few weeks ago, we'd have got an absolute caning in that game. But to come back and win 4-2, I mean, it's not it's not so much the winning, but the ways in which we have won lately. We've been so determined in it. It's it's won a lot of supporters back. There's, there's a real sense that even if we've gone behind now, that we'll still put up a fight. I don't sort of read too much into all of them not having anything to play for. If if that was me, I mean, we had nothing to play for in the last day of last season, but you still pay your money. You want your players to perform. So um, I, I sort of hope that our players don't... I'm sure they won't. Derry and Abbott will not allow that to happen. But I hope there's no complacency in the team. You're going to stay up? <laughs> I'm going to try no and make comment. you give a prediction. You wouldn't. Oh, Thanks for coming on, Stu. Hope it all no goes to plan on Saturday. Enjoy the summer. That is uh, Stuart Brothers, who's the editor of Notts County's Black and White fanzine. As for the uh, other sides down there, DC, what a grim situation for Carlisle. 1 0 uh, defeat at home to Oldham on Saturday. Now need, as I mentioned, a minimum of four points from Crawley and Wolves away. Uh, it looks like curtains for them. Yeah, it could well be. And um, we were talking recently to, uh, to John McGee from the. Uh, Writer for the Two Unfortunates, who's a big Carlisle fan, and you know he didn't have much good to say uh, about the season. And some initial promise, I think, from Graham Kavanagh looked like he might be, you know, a, a good thing for Carlisle, but they've they've not managed to kick on. They're still right in in the thick of it. Just a, a few of the a few of their sort of telling stats is that they've actually used forty seven different players this season, which which is the most of any Ooh. squad in in the entire football league. The average is thirty two. So they're well up there, and that can't be that can't well, help when you're trying to think, trying to build a consistent squad. Yeah, I'd agree. They, they, I think you have to say Carlisle are doomed again. Happy to be proved wrong, but given how poor they've been, they've got two away games there as well. They've been terrible away from home. They're not scoring any goals. Be, it would be a miracle. For and them. Gary Medine, of course, who's come back to them uh, on loan from Sheffield Wednesday after being released from prison, can't play because he's got a seven o'clock curfew. So uh, that's really? another that's another Jesus. Uh, nightmare to add to the situation. I do not think there's any way back for Carlisle United uh, this season. So if they are going to go down, be it on Tuesday or on Saturday, there's one more spot to be filled. Crew got the next uh, just above water at the minute. Nil-nil draw at Bristol City. Had a great chance, Matt Tootle late on, to win it for them. Uh, but a point there, Tranmere, who with that 3-2 win over Notts County a few weeks ago, we thought maybe they're you know going to get out of trouble. They're back in the relegation zone. They lost 2-0 um, away at Leighton Orient at the weekend. So it's looking bleak for them. They have got Bradford at home, though, on the final day, which Bradford, again, nothing to play for. And that is a better fixture than Crewe. We've got Preston at home. Absolutely. Preston will want to go into the playoffs with some momentum. Tranmere conceded uh, 15 goals in the first 15 minutes of matches, which is the, which is the highest in the entire Football League. So... Uh, Bradford will certainly be looking to make a good start against them and Tranmere they need to hold out and this is a, a massive game for them and and crew they have conceded three or more goals 13 times this season so I mean you can see why both these teams are, are down there well the goal difference is so tight as well so say if crew were to lose at home to Preston and Tranmere drew uh, then, then Tranmere would stay up it's that simple so everyone at Gresty Road, everyone at Prenton Park on Saturday. Radios by your ears. I think John McMahon, who of course is uh, in caretaker charge, I thought you had to call him interim managers now, but you can be called caretaker in the lower leagues, has said they're in the worst scenario. And given 
Tramir's season, particularly as it's it's gone on, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they do go down, I'm afraid. OK, well, we'll see how that uh, ends up. Five o'clock Saturday, we'll analyse it all on the show next week. In just a second, though, it is time to focus on League Two. The goals have gone down, but the question is, who's going to join them? So when it came to the crunch, Bristol Rovers finally turned it on. Wickham won, Bristol Rovers 2 at Adams Park on Saturday. Goals from Lee Brown and David Clarkson mean that a point against Mansfield at the Memorial Ground this Saturday will extend that 94-year run in the Football League for at least one more season. And it did look like absolute pandemonium, didn't it, behind that goal? when that uh, winning goal went in, particularly the fat fella who managed to slip. Absolutely brilliant. No, no pitch evasion is complete without somebody royally stacking it. And not only did he do that, he took out one of the Bristol Rovers players in the act. Fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. On the line right now to speak to us is Stephen Collins, who's been a season ticket holder for over 20 years at Bristol Rovers. And Steve, th- firstly, thanks very much for coming on the show. Secondly, how crucial were those uh, three points picked up at the weekend? Absolutely amazing. Um, we know from what's gone before with the likes of uh, Luton how long they took to come round uh, you've seen what happened to Oxford in recent seasons both former League Cup winners who've fallen from what was once the, the, the first original or the, 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 uh, the Premiership nice slip down you can see what it meant to them for us well just just amazing because we know that when you go down it's a huge trapdoor to, to try and climb yourself back out of. Uh, and it was a, a remarkable win in the circumstances, but even more remarkable when you think that you've actually got the joint worst away record in the entire football league. Just two away wins all season, that being the second, and only 15 goals away from home, which is the joint set, which is the second lowest in the entire football league. So your away record has been truly terrible this season. Well, I think that's the point we're putting it. We, don't, we haven't looked like scoring properly. The team's been set up not to lose as opposed to winning. The team's been set up to try and score one, maybe two, but mainly to try and keep the opposition out, which I don't think helped the call at all. Well, I notice you've actually got the best defence in the bottom half of, of that league. Have things changed since Daryl Clark took over from John Ward at all? Have things progressed at all on the pitch or have they still been relatively negative? No, I think, I think Daryl Clark's taken over a team lacking confidence. Uh, the team lacked confidence terribly. We had two new players being played out of position. Uh, I think, to be fair to Daryl Clark, he's picked up a, a team struggling. Very rarely uh, a, um, a team that went out looking like they were going to win. It was it was hoofball, and you're rightfully saying that we had a good defensive record. That's the way the team's been set up. From from the outside looking in, with the trouble that you've got and you know the the peril that you imminently face. It might be tempting to say, you know, question whether it was the right time for Daryl Clark to take over the reins from from John Ward. But it sounds like you, you think it was a wise decision, despite the fact that the league performance hasn't really improved. Um, well, the team were the, the, the team were in freefall. Um, the team have been in freefall. Uh, this might be controversial. I personally, whilst John Ward was a good appointment to save the team from the drop, unfortunately been around like an old fossil for too long to, to say. He was good enough to, to keep us up, but I'm not surprised where we are now. So personally, I'd have given Daryl Clark the, the reins uh, at the start of the season and not now. I'd have given him the chance to bring in. He was brought in with non-league experience of players from the lower leagues. Uh, I thought they should have last summer recruited players from the lower leagues, players who could score goals. Um, so I think, well, I... Uh, Again, I think he should have taken it at the start of the season. Quite strange, isn't it, that um, in the team of the year, the PFA team of the year that was announced yesterday for League Two, for a side that uh, you know we you know could still technically get relegated from the football league, there's actually two Bristol Rovers players out of eleven in there: uh, Michael Smith and John Joe O'Toole. Are you surprised to see them in the team of the year? Not really. No, I think Michael Smith's an outstanding player. Whether he's still with us at the end of the summer, we'll see. Uh, John Joe O'Toole was tremendous when he, he came to us at the end of last season. Uh, we thought him being signed would actually push be part of a building block to push us on for at least the playoffs this season. That was the, that was the feeling at the time. A player, John Jotel, is certainly capable of playing at a higher league, as is as is Michael Smith. Uh, and I mean, I suppose it says everything about your season that the fact that John Jotel, as good as he's been for you, he's your your top scorer from from midfield. 13 goals in the league, 15 in all competitions. But you've got the most weight, uh, the second most wasteful attack in, in the league. Uh, it takes you 10.8 shots uh, to score a goal 
on average. So it's in, all right, it, Stato. <laughs> <laughs> so do, do you think, has there been a problem with the tactics this season or, or has there been, you know, just the strikers up front just aren't good enough? Uh, I'd say a bit of both, really. The, the problem is it, it, the game starts at the back, doesn't it? And it, where, where you've got a team that's been set up not to lose, there was no real flair or attempt to play attacking football. And if, if the team's not set up to play attacking football, the strikers get starved with any, any good ball. The strikers in the club, whether or not they're good enough, well, possibly not, but they weren't given the chance all season. I'm looking at the, the situation that he had at the weekend, Stephen, with, with the pitch invasion, and no doubt about it, that was a, a massive three points to get you know, in a, a game against a, you know, your nearest relegation rival. It was huge, but I can't help but, as, as a Watford fan myself, think back to, to a situation that we were in last season when we had that incredible pitch invasion at Vicarage Road after we won the playoff semi-final. Ultimately, we didn't finish the job in the next game, and I, 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 I hate to think that the same thing could happen to you. All those fans going mental, getting on the pitch, brilliant, but you've, you've not stayed up yet, and you know you could be left bitterly disappointed if you think that the job's done. Well, you'd like to say that I don't believe for one second the job's done. I think there'll be a tremendous. I think that there'll be a, a sellout. Or we'll be at twelve thousand. The fans will be right behind the team as they have been all season. I think the, the the team will be set up to to go and win the game. I don't think for one second they'll be. They're not looking for a draw. I don't think one second they're looking for a draw. Um, Northampton, what a fantastic run they've had! Fantastic. I mean, they were dead and buried, weren't they? And mm. they a wonderful job. Uh, it's 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 how good Wickham are going to perform away from home. They themselves have also, like Rovers, have been in free fall. So Torquay. They won't want to disappoint. They've had a very good run themselves. Good win for them at the weekend. They want to go out on a high. I think Wickham have, not because I think Rose is going to win, I think Wickham will do well to get more than a draw at Torquay. And I think that's probably going to keep us up more so than our own results. Do you, do you think so? Because like, this is your biggest game in a long, long time. You've got to stay in the Football League. You're playing a team with nothing to play for at home, a full house. If you can't rely on yourself in this situation, there's, there's big trouble. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I'd like to say we're going to win the game and, and everyone, every gas will be there. I shall mention that we've, we've got, um, and I know that I actually live in Liverpool supporting, supporting the Rovers. I'm bringing 12 scouts down who I've made <laughs> Rovers their second team. So on the one hand, you've got Liverpool and Everton having a great season, but the 12 coming down of Rovers is their second team. In fact, in the Liverpool factory, now we virtually have the Rovers team group on the wall. So we're, you know, we've got backing from positive spirits. <laughs> well, let's hope there's no Steven Gerrard type slip-ups. <laughs> um, Steve, let's just for a second, uh, uh, as much as you'd be hesitant to do so, imagine the worst happens and you do manage to get relegated at the weekend. What would the picture be like for Bristol Rovers in non-league? I know you've got a new stadium on the horizon uh, you're you know relatively big club for for the you know certainly you know Bristol's a big city uh, although you've been left trailing in the wake of your your city rivals in in recent seasons but what what's the future like if you were in non league well frightening isn't it you've only got to see the likes of poor Stockport County you know they were once sort of like a current championship team at one not that long ago they were. and they've gone down to i think it's conference north anything can happen it's frightening. I mean, nobody wants to, nobody wants to drop. No one wants to drop. So we all know it's hard to get out. You know, said the likes of Luton Town. It took them a long time. Oxford have been down. Both League Cup winners. Uh, so teams with better pedigree, bigger pedigree, and Rovers have taken a long time to get back. So it's frightening. Anyone, any football league team does not want to go out the league. Exactly. Well, let's hope for your sake and the sake of those Scousers making the long journey down to Bristol that you well, stay with on Saturday. Of course, I would tell them it's like this every game if we win with a big party. <laughs> well, uh, best of luck for uh, for Saturday. Thanks for coming on, Steve. Uh, much appreciated. Thank you very much that is uh, Stephen Collins, who's been a season ticket holder at the Memorial Ground for over 20 years now, lives in Liverpool. Steve hinted at it there, though. Uh, Wickham have been in free fall, and Carl, whatever way you look at it, Wickham are right in the mire now. They need to win and hope other results go their way. It's looking bleak. You're quite right. It is looking very, very bleak. And this is probably the scenario which it sets itself up best um, because they're three points behind, so they must, must win. Gareth Ainsworth talks about playing himself, I note, uh, as well. He's been quoted, which perhaps does reek of desperation somewhat. But this is the kind of scenario where you can see Wickham, if they do indeed win, and Bristol Rovers and Northampton are losing by one goal, and the scenarios we talked about at the top of the show, basically about last minute, last day of the season, cliches of 
a pitch invasion happening. They're staying up, and then there's a late goal at Northampton, for example, an equaliser. I can see that, and I'm hoping that probably does happen. Well, I don't know what you think, DC, but I just can't see Northampton slipping up now. They've done so well. 3 0 win away at Dagenham on Saturday. Absolutely fantastic. It's Ivan Tony, the overhead kick, 18 years old. What a goal. I just think Oxford at home, Oxford have lost six and seven. They're absolute pants at the minute. I just think Northampton have got more than enough to stay up. So I do worry for Wickham. I, I'd agree with you there. I mean, it wouldn't be unlike I mean, you football know, exactly generally <laughs> for them to have that great run and then to, to mess it up on the last day. I mean, the, the thing is, what you've got to take into account with all these things, you look at form, you look at stats, you look at momentum and all this stuff. It's one game of football. There isn't a chance next week to make it right. It's now or never, you know, in the truest sense. And that will do things to players. It, some of those players will take that and will relish it and will, you know, perform in the heat of the moment. Others may well crumble. You know, the fans are going to be nervous. They'll be behind, you know, all the fans will be behind all their clubs. But like you say, when they hear goals coming through or they hear, you know, maybe phantom goals on Twitter and stuff <laughs> that, that aren't true, you know, they'll, that has got to transmit to the players, surely. I mean, as a manager, do you, in, do you inform your players of developments at other matches or do you want them to focus on the game? I mean, the manager could be on the pitch for Wickham, as you've just said. Yeah, so yeah. the emotions and tensions and the, the well, mental challenge well, is going to be immense on Saturday. And that is going to have a big part to play, even if you're playing a team like, like Lest, have been terrible. lest we forget Northampton's manager is of course Chris Wilder former Oxford manager and Absolutely. Oxford fans who haven't got anything to play for I'm probably sure would, would love it if they end up beating Northampton and well, Chris Wilder Torquay, them Torquay themselves and we'll talk about them in a few more minutes time the fact they've gone down have been on quite a good run recently so it's quite a tough game for Wickham just to go there and, and get a win but the thing about Wickham is you say Ainsworth on the pitch he knows they have to win they don't win the down so it's not as if he, he needs to be worrying about results from elsewhere. He's just got to concentrate on the job and get it done. So uh, anyway, one of those sides is going to be uh, dropping out of the Football League. It's the worst kind of relegation and we're going to lose one of them from the Football League inside the next week. We'll talk about that on the show next week. Right, OK, uh, before we uh, round up what else has been going on, we are going to uh, have a little another edition of my club here. It's a bit of the show where we celebrate 125 years of the Football League uh, by getting a fan on to talk about their club in 125 seconds. And this week, we're going to focus on Blackpool. This is We Are Going Up. My club in 125 seconds. Hello, I'm Jack Critchley and my club at Blackpool. So Jack, do you remember your first ever trip to Bloomfield Road? Tell us all about it. Yeah, my first trip uh, involved taking a friend with me from school and uh, it was against Lincoln. It was when we were in Division 2 at the time and around about 30 minutes, uh, nature called for this particular friend and we all went off to go and find where the toilets were, heard the crowd uh, go wild and uh, that was the only goal of the game a header from a young Danny Shittu I still went back for more so you, you missed that goal but do you remember the, the first ever goal that you uh, that you actually saw yeah it took a while because the second match I went to was a nil-nil draw with Bournemouth <laughs> uh, I think I got third time lucky and I think we I think we scraped a 1-0 win against, against Peterborough I think it was it was um, Tony Ellis scored the goal I was going to say he scored it who uh, has been your favourite player though there's plenty of um, contenders for this. I mean, Charlie Adams, an obvious one for the mm. resurgence that he gave the side in the championship. And uh, Keith Southern as well for his uh, his wholehearted tackles. But I've always had a soft spot and I've no reason, I, know, I don't know why, for Gary Taylor-Fletcher, who, who I believe we should never have let go to Leicester at the end of the season. He's getting another, him, another promotion on his CV, isn't he, this year? He's going to give the, yeah, he's going to give the Premier League another crack and uh, I just wish it was with us. OK, right, on to the, uh, onto the real business. Who's the worst ever Blackpool player you've seen in your life? Again, plenty of contenders, probably more than the previous question. Uh, we had Shefty Coochie's brother, who I think was called uh, Nafty Coochie. And uh, that first name was entirely appropriate because he uh, appeared to fall over his own legs or at least lose where the ball was. Uh, although he did move to Serbia soon after and was the top scorer for about three years running in the division. He do the famous celebration when he scored, <laughs> like his brother. We never, we never got to find out. <laughs> he did, he did it without the ball at his feet, though, several times. And most importantly, Jack, are you going to stay up this season? If we'd done this seven days previously, I would have said no. So after a surprise victory against uh, against Wigan. I think we might. I think uh, I think Birmingham might be the architects of their own downfall and we might stay up as a result. Jack, your two minutes is up. Thank you very much. Good luck for Saturday. Thank you very much. My club in 125 seconds. We are going up. We've got the Football League covered.
Cheers, Jack. There will be another My Club along next week. Just four more shows. Starting to panic now about how we're going to fit everyone in. Yeah. Um, if you read do, out those clubs that we still need. If you want to get in touch at Wagyu Podcast or wearegoingup.co.uk slash contact. Do you actually want to read them out or not? Well, we might as well. Okay, right. Let me scroll down. I've got it on here somewhere. Uh, so we still need Accrington, Birmingham, Bolton, Brighton, Burton, Cheltenham, Carve, Crawley, Crew, Dagenham, uh, Derby, Doncaster, is that your phone? Exeter, Fleetwood, Gills, Hartlepool, Leeds, Mansfield, Borough, Millwall, MK Dons, Newport, Northampton Forest, Notts County, Plymouth, Preston, Dale, Wednesday, Sheffield Wednesday, Swindon, Walsall, Wigan and York. You better get tweeting, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Why me? You do it. Okay, right. It's your idea. <laughs> top of the championship, well, it was actually, yeah. Top of the championship then. Uh, we know that uh, Leicester won at the weekend. They are going to get to 100 points if they get a draw against Doncaster. They're going to receive the trophy on Sunday. Uh, Burnley won again as well. In the playoffs, Derby's great form continues. They beat Watford for, was it 4-1, 4-2? They, they beat us 4-2. Four two. Four just, two. just quickly on Derby, I was having a chat to... Well, we, are, we are going to do a full playoff preview next week, by the way. Yeah, but, I was, I was having just there. a quick chat on, on Twitter this morning to Owen, uh, Owen Bradley, who we had on earlier on in the season. Um, just on Derby, and an interesting point to note is that Will Hughes, the player that everyone's you know eulogised so much about... In the team about, of the year. Yep, can't get in the team at the moment, mm. which kind of gives you an indication of just how well that midfield is operating at Derby. Craig Bryson, Jeff Hendricks had some good form recently, and, and George Thorne, who was at Watford earlier in the season, is on loan there from West Brom. Uh, and they are looking good. They'd still be my favourites for the playoffs. Right five now. wins in a row, I believe it and is. And to give them a bit of hope, five of the last ten championship playoff winners have finished third. Can we just say, by the way, all your stats today have come courtesy of... <laughs> that one came from my, from right. my own diligent hard I'm work. I'm sure you've picked up on the fact that he's been given out a lot of stats. Ben Mayhew, The rest we of thank them you. have come from Ben Mayhew, yeah, uh, the faithful uh, league, experimental football league statistician. Yeah, follow him on Twitter at uh, Experimental361 or indeed... Uh, at match story. Match story, yeah. Uh, QPR in contrast to Derby, just two wins in the last seven after that draw with Millwall. They're going to finish fourth and fifth then, so we've uh, talked about Wigan losing 2-0 at home to Blackpool. Before we go on to who's going to get that final spot, I want one word from you, uh, whichever you, you want to uh, answer this. One word to describe the season that Bournemouth have had. Momentum. They're carrying a lot of momentum into next season, I feel. To go up and, and play like they've done, I think, been brilliant. Tremendous. Ipswich, improvement. O- overachievement. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say, I think you, you, I go with Mark there. They certainly improved, and they've fallen short just at the at the last at the last second. But they can certainly be pleased with what looks like to be a, a top ten finish. Forest. <laughs> Does that count as a word? Just a laugh. Frustrating, I'd guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So those are the sides: Bournemouth, Ipswich, and Forest who haven't made it. Psycho will be starting life after the World Cup in the Championship, not the Premier League. Uh, two spots to be uh, decided. We talked obviously a lot about Wigan's game at Birmingham. They finish away at Blackburn, who can still squeeze in there. They need um, Wigan to lose at Birmingham again in a game you might that might have already taken place by the time you hear this, and then they need to beat them by three goals on the last day for a six-goal swing. Brighton are away at Forest. Reading are at home to Burnley. What do we reckon, boys? One more game to go. Who's going to get those two spots? Well, it looks like I, I quite fancy Reading to be in there now, actually. They have seemingly picked up a, a little bit of momentum after being sort of fairly inconsistent for most of the season, you know, hovering around the end of the playoffs for, for, for most of the season. But they kind of dipped out, dipped in, dipped out, dipped in. And they, they've won a couple of games recently. And they, they're, they're looking a little bit more formidable now. Uh, and the reason I'm talking them up is that I've got them in my uh, pre-season uh, three-team accumulator to go up along with Preston and Burton. So I'm hoping that I can translate some positive vibes to them and they can go up. But I do think they'll, they'll get one of the spots. OK, well, Reading, if Reading lose at home to Burnley, it'll only take a draw for Brighton at Forest for Brighton to get in the playoffs for a second successive year. Wouldn't that be something? Because they've spent a lot of the season outside of the playoffs. So wouldn't that just be football to kick Reading who have spent you know, quite a lot of the season? Mm. Um, within it to to replace them at the last minute. Do you see uh, Adam Clayton's blue and white beard for Huddersfield? Yeah, which I believe, uh, at first thought I just thought this has gone too far. Somebody <laughs> needs to hold that man down at, at you know at the final whistle and shave shave it off. But I believe it was for charity. It so, was so fair enough. Well done, Swim. Well done. Um, wrong end of the table. We 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 said uh, last week that Yeovil were almost mathematically gone. They have gone after losing at Brighton. Yeah. Uh, but what about Barnsley? We went to the Valley to see them a few weeks ago. We thought they'd given themselves hope with that win against Charlton, but it's kind of petered out in the end and. I rewatched the last couple of minutes of the game at Huddersfield on the last day of the season last year. Saw the passion and how excited they were to stay up, and it's kind of they've kind of gone down with a bit of a whimper, really. Mm. Just not good enough in front of goal this season, as we heard from many of those Barnsley mm. fans before the game at the Valley. Danny Wilson said that after the game. Uh, he actually, 
he was he he said that maybe getting it to as, you know as late on in the season as they did with the chance to stay up was should be seen as an achievement, which I thought was a bit of a strange thing to say. But you know maybe as with some other clubs in the past we've seen maybe going down and getting some positive feeling back in the club might be a good thing because they've been struggling in the championship for a number of seasons lot, now and that's that takes its toll. A lot of the fans you did speak to or listening to and it, it, they were relatively positive about Danny Wilson being there whether it's rose tinted spectacles having come back but given how amazingly they stayed up last season I don't think anyone's particularly surprised they've gone this time this is the PFA Championship Team of the Year Casper Schmeichel Kieran Trippier Aaron Cresswell Wes Morgan Jason Shackle Danny Drinkwater Andy Reid Craig Bryson Will Hughes Danny Ings and Ross McCormack not many people would quibble well, actually, probably a lot of people would quibble, but yeah. then everyone's biased in football. Burnley and Leicester fans will moan about Sam Vokes not being there and David Nugent not McCormack, being there. though, what a season he's had. Yeah, a struggling team. Exactly, and a team that, you know, he's been the shining light in a team desperately average to poor well, at times of lead, so he's done very well. well. I mentioned to you this season, Mark, I put my um, top goal scorer bet on across the league. So I mentioned on, I only did the League One podcast at the start of the season. I had um, Sam Baldock, I had Ross McCormack. Fortunately, I had Mark Richards at Chesterfield. He scored about seven goals. So <laughs> two out of three. Two out of three. I don't think you can complain too much, to be honest with you. And and it'll be interesting to see. Well, we'd know, like to hear from you. Interesting how all these teams have to be four four two. We'd like to hear from you, the listeners. A couple of years ago, we asked you to get in touch with your, I think it was, uh, favourite goal of the season, underrated player of the season, young player of the season, and player of the season. Do we want to do that again? Yeah. Okay. Oh, all right. <laughs> I'm just raising the idea. Uh, tweet us at Waggy Podcast, and we'll read some out in the show next week. Your favourite goal of the season, uh, your most underrated player in the Football League, best young player, and Football League player of the season. We'll read some of those out next week. League One, Wolves hit the 100 point mark with a one-all draw at Coventry. Brentford are on the beach already. They got thrashed at Colchester, and uh, well done to Coventry. We should say first of all, Stephen Presley's kept them up despite that 10 point deduction. Onwards and upwards. I think the promotion for Rochdale means that uh, Coventry fans have seen the least amount of success or something like that in the last 10 years of any club in the Football League it was, it was some yeah. stat like that I saw doing the rounds on they Twitter over the weekend absolutely, absolutely terrible they've literally not had one season that they could enjoy since, leave, since uh, you know leaving the Premier League no. all these years ago and <laughs> were getting progressively worse with each one uh, and the, the big thing for them I think now is how many of the you know, players that perform well this season stay in the summer and, and if indeed does the manager stay I, I don't think they'll have much chance of holding on to any of their star performers including the manager So and get the club playing in a, bloody Coventry uh, again another please. reset in the summer and you know same old story yeah. OK uh, playoff teams Rotherham grabbed a point at MK Dons against MK Dons at home in the last minute uh, Preston won a fifth straight game at home beating Gillingham Orient won against Tranmere and Peterborough have got seventh with a 4-2 win at Shrewsbury while the nine men of Swindon Carl lost at Meadow Lane so near but yet so far not a bad season again though no I think any Swindon fan who said they thought they'd be in the playoffs this season would be would be lying uh, to you I mean we, we could end up 8th but 7th or 8th would certainly take a decent run in the Johnston Paint Trophy as well a lot of people tipped us to go down this season a lot of bookies had us in you know the kind of bottom 4 or I 5 teams I think Dave might have done actually did you? Uh, I can't remember. He might go down. I can't, I can't remember. remember. Probably. Well, we'll listen back to that in a few weeks. His record yeah. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, Mark Cooper's done above and beyond what we're expecting. Problem is, of course, we've got a lot of low knees, and what mm. happens next season could be anyone's guess. More on the playoffs, uh, t- playoff teams in League One next week. Uh, Shrewsbury, though, uh, DC relegated. I saw that Glyn Price from the uh, Blue and Amber fanzine tweeted the following on Saturday Down with a whimper. I'm utterly and totally hashtag angry. I can't believe the applause that the players are getting. We've won only nine games this season mental sometimes I wonder I really do I think Glenn needs a pint doesn't he yeah <laughs> after that. Uh, but really yeah really poor season from the moment that Turner went Michael Jackson coming in it's just not worked no it absolutely hasn't uh, I'm resisting every single sinew in my body to uh, to, to avoid doing a Michael Jackson based pun here but you were the one that stopped me doing it <laughs> I know now it's been dreadful and you know bad they've got to pick up the pieces and try and try and have a good season it's, next season it seems to think there's going to be a lot of changes over the summer yeah. I've always hated Shrewsbury um, since the playoff semi-final in 2009 when they beat oh, us on pens so yeah. I'm glad they're down We'll have you next season. Uh, PFA Team of the Year in League One. Carla Kame, uh, Sam Ricketts, uh, Danny Barr, Harry Maguire, Jake Bidwell, Bakary Sacco, Adam Forshaw, uh, Kevin McDonald, uh, Ben Pringle, Britta Sombolonga, Doot 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 and Callum Wilson of Cov, who's been banging him in. No complaints. I think, you know, no. especially all those Wolves players, they've been fantastic, haven't they? Absolutely. Callum Wilson missed a couple of months, didn't he? 
uh, as well with mm. um, a shoulder injury. So, I mean, Coventry have dipped away a little bit. Uh, he's done exceptionally well, and as you already mentioned, probably won't be there next year. OK, down into League Two then. Congratulations uh, to three clubs who've all gone up over the weekend. Uh, Rochdale uh, went up uh, by beating Cheltenham 2-0. Two brilliant goals in that game as well. Um, Chesterfield up with a 2-0 will at Burton. Um, two from uh, Jay O'Shea, that was on Sunday. Chris Turner, I think he's up in the hierarchy there at uh, Chesterfield. Very emotional after the game about Paul Cook and the job he's done. And Russ Wilcox, ironically, 28 games without defeat. They lose and they go up. <laughs> Fantastic. It's always going to yeah. happen, wasn't it? Absolutely. Uh, did you see the Rochdale celebrations? I did. Um, they were singing Wonderwall, weren't Absolutely. they? Absolutely. I mean, tremendous. It, it was heartwarming. You really. weren't a fan of uh, but, Keith Hill's Chino. Uh, Bloody Christ. <laughs> Look at him. I know he's he, when he was in the championship with, with Barnsley, he was was wearing that jacket, wasn't he? That fashionable jacket, and he had his beard. And now he seems to have taken to wearing just horribly coloured chinos. So he's wearing an awful, just like bright sort of blue pair of chinos, singing along Can I, uh, um... to Wonderwall. But then, and then I was tweeted uh, after bemoaning his fashion sense, and he said, oh, you obviously didn't see the pair he was wearing the week before. And they were pink. <laughs> Can, I'm going to show you a picture. Um, here on my phone because one of my mates obviously I've got a few mates who are Rochdale fans and we mentioned the other week didn't we, when we were talking about Brentford going up the camaraderie between yeah. players and you have to have a drink with the players and the manager this is a couple of hours after a full time whistle on, uh, on Saturday have a look at that picture there that's my mate in Keith Hill <laughs> Keith Hill camera's over here mate absolutely battered <laughs> we'll post that we've got to post that up on Twitter yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, brilliant Keith. I mean he's well, well earned celebrations after that game he's done a very good job going back there it wasn't necessarily very easy to go back there and recreate the success but he's done just that and Russ Wilcox greatest manager in the world ever isn't he something like that well you're only as good as your last game, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Very good answer. Playoffs. Uh, Fleetwood are going to be in there. They drew with Southend at the weekend. Southend won five in seven. Uh, the dream's alive. You said they were going to get relegated. They could still get promoted. It's on. Um, York as well. York How incredible has York's run been? Since seven one-nil the wins in their last eleven games. I mean, I suppose if boring, you look at the boring league, York. The, well, the League Two team of the year. Perhaps the only people that might look at it and, and wonder is. Uh, you know, some of the York City defenders, how they mm. haven't got in there because they perform magnificently. Well, this is the team of the year. Tommy Lee and goal, Michael Smith, Ian Everett, Liam Cooper, Michael Rose, John Joe O'Toole, uh, Anthony Sarsevich, Gary Roberts, Ian Anderson, Sam Winnell and Scott Hogan. Uh, do you see the uh, Hartlepool fans dress as Thunderbirds? Wonderful. Yeah. I saw Jeff Stelling with a Thunderbird yeah. hat on. Yes. Yeah. Having, all... having done Smurfs and Penguins, yeah. Thunderbirds and shit. Absolutely brilliant. They were all behind the goal. A couple I, of... I wonder if any of them were called like, like, Named after like, Vir- the Tracy Vir- family. Virgil. Virgil Tracy, a long shot. Any Harleypool fans called Virgil? Get in touch. Or John. Let us know. Probably more likely, yeah. Um, a couple of other bits. We said uh, monitor the AFC Wimbledon points deduction situation. Uh, three points deducted, yeah. which is kind of as expected, I think. And I want to say well done to all the Pompey fans who cycled from Portsmouth all the way up to Bury at the weekend, raising money for charity. A four-all draw. What a game. The home of goals, the mm. JD Stadium. And that is 16 games unbeaten at home since David Flickcroft took I mean, over. Can you remember? Which is staggering. Carl, I mentioned this last week, I think. You weren't here. Do you remember when we were we went up to Nottingham uh, a month or so ago, and we were on the train that day talking to our to our mates about uh, the various fortunes of our of our three teams that we support, and that was the day where we were, you were saying to to our mates Barry could really go down here. They were they were two points yeah. above the relegation zone, yeah. and now you're now sitting in tenth place. I mean, you could finish the season Such in history. bloody ninth position. <laughs> the ridiculous it's absolutely nature of crazy. Two all season has been so tight, and Barry. Uh, well, next season's the season. The chairman's been talking about giving him funds to bring in you players. You said that last year, Mark. Promotion push. Well, one player that seems to have on. caught the eye, Hallam Hope. Scored a hat trick, our yeah. first league hat trick since Ian Lawson in 1999. <laughs> I was there when Ian Lawson scored that hat trick. Get him back next season, maybe? Or Ian Lawson. I think he's retired now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, I hope so from Everton. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a prospect, only 20. Uh, Super Kevin Phillips has retired. It's the that end is. of an era. He's played for every club in the Football League, give or take a few. Um, do you remember him from your, uh, his days at Vicarage? Road. Absolutely, he was the first player that I ever saw score a professional goal uh, against Blackburn Rovers wow. in the in the League Cup in 1996. But he was also the player that scored the goal, which meant your side didn't go up last season. Yeah, 
Yeah, swings and roundabouts. No, yeah. he's had a tremendous career. Oh, he's been fantastic. Uh, came, t- came to us from, from non-league. He was initially at Southampton and they let him go. And as soon as he came to us, you know, you, you saw that he was going to be a good player. Tremendous finisher. And it was Sunderland, really, when his career... Yeah, I was about to say, off. I remember yeah. um, in 99... Golden uh, boot across Europe, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Barry were in uh, Division 1 and uh, Sunderland won the title that year. And they played us at Gig Lane the night they got promoted on Sky. They won 5-2 and he absolutely tore us to shreds. He was fantastic. That was when him and Quinn had the, uh, the big man little sink. Uh, going at the time and obviously he went on to score 30 odd goals next and season and I think the, the most impressive thing about it is I mean, he, you know he was excellent in those early years in his career as Carl said golden boot in Europe you know perhaps maybe should have got more of a chance at an England Absolutely. level at that stage um, but I guess there was a time when you thought maybe when he started to fritter around the Midlands clubs you know, like to Villa to West Brom and you think is, he, is his career going to sort of peter out but the, the the late resurgence in his career, the managed, he's managed to keep it going until the age of forty and play some really crucial parts, you know, in promotions for for Blackpool, for Crystal Palace. He's contributed, you know, even even not in not in his bigger way, but he's contributed to Leicester City as well. You know, he's done himself proud with the way he's been able to, you know, continuously perform and score goals to the age of forty. They shouldn't be underestimated how difficult that is. Great man, well done, Kev. Great career. That is it for this week's show. If you want to get in contact, uh, the Twitter is at Wagyu Podcast. You can also and go and read the blogs on the website. Uh, we are going up. Uh, SoundCloud is soundcloud.com slash Wagyu Podcast, and the Audible offer is still there. If you want a free audiobook, audible.co.uk slash going up and remember if your team is playing a club who've got something on the line this weekend try and spread a rumour that there's been a goal in one of the games involving the teams up against them because that's part of the fun of the last day of the season you looking forward to Saturday? I, well I am looking forward to Saturday actually but not necessarily for the reason that you're alluding to alright I'm a, I'm a best man on a stag do on Saturday in Brighton <laughs> oh God. so I'm going to be doing my very best to keep a, a, up to abreast of all, all the developments across the divisions well, Br- whilst leading a group of merry men uh, around Brighton if Brighton make the playoffs <laughs> Even better. A lot yeah. of people out Saturday night. Absolutely. <laughs> and Carl? Uh, well, yeah, very much. Unfortunately, I, I won't be doing that. Although I will be getting drunk in Manchester. Um, mm. So I'm trying to think now off the top of my head of any teams within the... Keith Hill will be doing the rounds. Yeah, Keith Hill. I'll have a pipe with him. <laughs> Go like find him. That's drink, it. He'll drink me under the table. That's what we will be back next week uh, with our take on the final weekend of the season. Good luck, everyone. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. <laughs>